Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It seemed like there's a lot more here. I know the weather, I'm sure, played a part in that. But. <clears throat> Ready to go? Yep. Okay. Well, good morning. Uh, I want to thank everyone for being here today. Uh, we are now two weeks into the new legislative session. And the Republican conference stands ready to work to improve the quality of life for all New Yorkers, and certainly here in Western New York. But to be frank, there is a lot of work to do. Last week, Governor Hochul delivered her State of the State address with barely a mention of the biggest issues facing New York and the state as a whole. And Tuesday, we saw her solution to the, ongo to the ongoing illegal migrant crisis which has continued to throw more taxpayer dollars at it, uh, $2.4 uh, billion, I believe, uh, which will be bringing up to $4.3 billion over two years. $4.3 billion to New York City to handle a crisis that has been created by the policies in New York City, namely uh, sanctuary city policies and even sanctuary state policies here in New York. The governor could end the sanctuary state policies with a stroke of a pen because that was put in place by an executive order uh, under former Governor Andrew Cuomo. What she should do is demand that New York City end their sanctuary city policies, which is why you have this crisis. It is why, coupled with the open border policies at our southern border, it is why 160,000 illegal migrants have, have come to New York City, uh, many of whom will never be granted asylum. Uh, but once they're here, as we know, because of the sanctuary city policies, New York City Police Department, local law enforcement are prohibited from cooperating with federal immigration and law enforcement uh, to identify these folks, to deport them, even if they should commit a crime while they are here in our state. Um, and so we should demand, the governor, the state legislature, and our conference will demand that those policies end before one more dollar flows to handle this crisis. Uh, again, um, I, we use that term a lot. I don't even know if this is a crisis so much as part of the plan, uh, at least for officials in the city of New York and some officials in the state of New York. Um, but that'll be... If this amount of money that the governor has allotted goes through, it'll be $4.3 billion. Our conference rejects that uh, wholly uh, and uh, would ask 
the governor to use her authority, her cachet, her credibility with the mayor of New York and with uh, folks down there to change their sanctuary city policies and those policies, and then we can talk about uh, possible funding. Here in western New York, many of the same issues, that this, this migrant crisis has, has come to root here. We have school districts that took students who were bussed up from New York City, families who were sent up, those school districts took those students. They were told, and I remember the Erie County executive saying that no one would be on the hook for this, that this was all going to be paid for by New York City, and I guess in some sense by the state of New York, which of course is still your money. But what we now know to be true is that at least two school districts, if not more across the state, but two here in western New York, have only received 50% of the cost back from the city of New York. Um, so that was a lie. The idea that there's not going to be a cost to western New York taxpayers, there's not going to be a cost to local taxpayers, uh, was a lie. And when they see this number, this $4.3 billion going to New York City, that's their money, and they know that that's probably only a fraction of the actual cost. So this continues to be an issue. The governor, again, did not address it in her state of the state. She simply addressed it as a line item in her budget address. Um, but no doubt our conference uh, is going to continue to talk about this issue. The mayor of New York City continues to talk about it. It continues to be a strain on resources at the state level, at the city level. Um, we're talking about cutting police force. We're talking about cutting firefighters. Um, and, and that is an egregious situation when, when New Yorkers, taxpayers, are going to be less safe um, so that we can send billions of dollars to a situation that New York Democrats and politicians have created. Uh, another glaring example, I think, of misplaced priorities. The governor set aside about $110 million for farmers and ag programs. $110 million, over $2 billion for the migrant issue. Um, and you think about that. Several years ago, Democrats in the state Senate, the state assembly, the governor signed a bill that has driven up costs for our farmers. It has driven up labor costs. It has made it harder for farms to be viable. Agriculture is the number one economic producer and driver in the state of New York, and certainly in upstate New York. And yet, um, we continue not only to not invest enough in our farmers, but our priorities continue clearly to be elsewhere. Um, we're going to spend $150 million to build new swimming pools in the state of New York. Now, I want kids to have access to pools if they're going to school. I had an access to a pool when I was in middle school. But the notion that out of $230 billion at this moment in time in New York, with crime at all times highs, with the migration crisis, with the uh, anti-Semitism issue that we're seeing across college campuses and across the state, with the affordability issue, with New Yorkers fleeing this state, actual New Yorkers fleeing the state in droves, to me, spending $150 million to build swimming pools, it, it's a nice gesture, but I don't know that that solves any of the major issues. It's a feel-good thing, but it doesn't solve it. That's not why people are leaving. No one's leaving to go to Florida because they don't have a pool. They're not going to Texas 
um, because they don't have a swimming pool or their kid doesn't have a swimming pool, they're going to these places because there's more opportunity. They can keep more of their money. They feel safer walking around their streets. In short, they have a government that actually listens and represents them and responds to their issues. Uh, that is not what we have seen over the last several years here in New York State. Our school districts. Now, this is going to be a big issue. Um, Democrats like to talk about how they're the party of education, and certainly they're the party of education unions, no question about that. But I would tell you that what we're looking at from the governor um, is deep cuts to upstate rural and suburban school districts. Now, some of her comments about, you know, school districts and pandemic aid that flowed to school districts and redu reductions in, in student uh, population, all are true. The last several years, the school districts have been flush with money, mostly from the federal government, um, and that's been, a, that's been a, a great thing for them. But at the end of the day, these cuts are falling specifically on upstate and even Long Island rural suburban uh, school districts, primarily represented by Republicans. I find that to be uh, unbelievable that in this moment in time, as, as, as partisan as everything is, that the governor would, would roll out a program that puts more money into the big five, New York City, Buffalo, Syracuse, Rochester, Yonkers, but takes money away from other school districts, in some cases where the outcomes are significantly higher and have been for a long time. I would take the outcomes and in most of my rural districts against any heavy populated urban school district in the state. And they often do it with less money per pupil. And so while the governor's comments again about, you know, the end of pandemic aid and, and the notion that school districts can't just expect more and more money every year, I get that. But the way she's going about it, if you look at the school runs, is to punish rural and suburban school districts and to give more money to urban school districts, which of course are in the cities, those big five districts I mentioned, uh, represented by Democrats. So she's, she's putting more money into areas where her political allies represent and in, in a lot of school districts where she does not have allies, um, there are deep, deep cuts uh, at least being proposed. Our conference stands ready to work with whoever in the state Senate, be they Democrat, be they Republican, uh, or the state assembly, uh, and certainly are looking forward to um, a, a, a more fair um, education proposal uh, from a funding perspective than the governor has rolled out. While we're on the topic of education, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of dovetail into climate and the energy policies, the electric bus mandate. So now I have some school districts that are going to be looking at significant cuts and reductions in funding. At the same time, they're going to have to try to meet this electric school bus mandate. Um, this will be a huge financial strain on our districts and be between replacing the fleet and updating the infrastructure. There are also concerns about the reliability in the extreme cold. Today's a great reminder about the cold the last several days have been a great reminder about extreme cold. And the last thing anybody wants to think about is a bus full of school children stuck on a snowy road. 
because they couldn't get home because the bus couldn't make it or the bus crapped out. Um, I think we should be far more concerned about spending money in the classroom on the actual education than about transporting the kids back and forth on a clean, green school bus. I'm sure there are school districts that want to do this, that maybe have the money, and that are supported by their board and their parents, and you should do that if that's what you want to do. If that's what that school district decides is the right use of money. But I have a number of school districts that that is not going to be the right use of resources. Uh, but yet they're going to be forced uh, to comply. We find this unrealistic. We find it dangerous, uh, unreliable, another cost in an effort uh, to, to be, uh, you know, green, kind of the green virtue signaling so that the climate activists and the far left in the climate world uh, can say, you know, attaboy, uh, even though this will do nothing, nothing to result in a better education uh, for our students. We know that there's been a pandemic loss uh, the last several years. Um, I don't know that there's enough in here when you talk about reduction in funding. I worry about what that means for our students. Uh, so around the education piece, a lot of concerns we have, our conference does, with the governor's proposal. And then I'll close out uh, talking about a couple of things. One, broadband, high-speed internet. Um, there's been a ton of federal funding around this topic, around this issue, um, and yet that funding has never seemed to reach western New York. It certainly has not reached upstate New York. Uh, I know many communities that today here in 2024 still do not have access to high-speed internet and broadband. Um, if we're going to spend $150 million to build swimming pools, and I'll be willing to bet where most of those pools will be built. If we're going to spend $4.3 billion on an illegal migrant crisis that specifically goes to New York City, then we darn sure can spend some money to make sure that my constituents, people who live in rural communities, have access, that their students, that their children have access to high-speed internet and broadband, uh, and yet we, we still have not seen that. We don't see that in this budget. The opioid epidemic continues to have a devastating impact on our region. I do applaud the governor for allocating $67 million to combat this epidemic. And to close, I want to touch on crime and I want to touch on um, anti-Semitism and housing. The governor really made no real mention about crime. Uh, she tried last year uh, to address bail reform and some of the pro-criminal policies that Democrats have passed. Um, she didn't get very far. She got in a 31 or 32 day late budget and nothing really to show for it on that issue. This year she's calling for a, uh, a task force to deal with retail theft. Retail theft is at, at record highs, carjackings are at record highs. Uh, these are quality of life crimes. These are quality of life uh, issues. They, they, these are the kinds of things that make make people move, as if we needed more reasons. Um, the problem with a task force on retail theft. I, I, I'll support nominally anything that reduces retail theft. The problem is, a task force doesn't produce results. A task force produces paper. It produces recommendations. If, the, if my colleagues in the Senate Democratic Conference and the Assembly Democratic Conference 
aren't willing to act on those recommendations, if they aren't willing to make changes to the disastrous uh, uh, cashless bail law, to, to the disastrous discovery law, to the less is more law, if they're not willing to make these changes, then the task force, uh, again, will simply produce a report which will go on a shelf, which will produce no tangible benefit making New Yorkers safer. And the governor knows that. That's why she did a task force, because she knows that her colleagues in the Democratic Conference and the Senate Assembly simply lack the political will to do anything to stop these issues, the, these crimes, carjackings, retail theft, assaults. Until Democrats decide that the answer to retail theft is locking up the people stealing items at retail stores. It's not locking up the items themselves. That's what right now is the solution. You go into a store, a lot of places, the toothpaste is locked up, the baby formula is locked up, razors are locked up, common household items are, are locked and you have to find someone to unlock it so you can purchase these things. Because Democrats would rather lock up your items that you need for, for your daily life than rather lock up the people who are stealing them. And until that is not the answer, we can have all the task forces we want and nothing will come of it. Um, the anti-Semitism issue remains an, uh, uh, a concern for our conference. I think it remains an issue for New Yorkers of all stripes, of all backgrounds, and it should. It absolutely should. I, I happened to spend some time in Israel in August, uh, eight or nine days uh, that I was over in Israel. I actually was at one of the kibbutzes that was attacked on October 7th. So maybe it means a little more for me now than it would have before because I think about the family I had dinner with, a Shabbat dinner, uh, and their son was in the IDF. I don't know where he is today. I don't know if he's alive today. I think about those people I met at the kibbutz and had lunch with in their common dining hall. How many of them didn't make it on October 7th? But I also think about September 11th. And I think about the families who lost loved ones here in New York. I think about the firefighters who rushed into those buildings. All because a terror group known as Al-Qaeda decided to attack the United States. Al-Qaeda had a philosophy. They were anti-American. They were anti-Israel. They wanted to see Israel wiped from the face of the earth. Hamas shares that ideology. And the idea that 20-something years after 9-11, I would see New Yorkers chanting from the river to the sea. What that means is, from the river to the sea, that is Israel. So when you chant that, you're saying you want Israel as a nation gone. We talk about, I hear a lot of talks about genocide. Israel was the victim of the worst form of genocide we have ever known. The Jews have been targeted in a genocidal way their entire existence through, through the course of human history. No one is calling on Hamas to surrender. Where are the calls for Hamas to surrender? Hamas attacked Israel. They murdered 1,500 Israelis because they were Jewish, because they were Israeli. There's not going to be a peace with Hamas.
nor should there be, if you're Israel. Now, obviously, there needs to be a political solution, but that political solution can only happen once Hamas has been removed from power. And to see, to see the, the anti-Semitism on our campuses right here in New York, at Cornell, at Columbia, it's a broader trend for me. I know for a lot of my friends in the Jewish community, and by the way, New York is home to the largest uh, population of Jews outside of Israel. So this is a New York issue. I know a lot of my friends in the Jewish community see it obviously as anti-Semitic, but I see it as even worse. It's even broader than that. It's anti-Semitic, but it's anti-American. It's anti-Western. This is a continuation of what we've seen on our college campuses where you have professors, you have student groups that are actively preaching anti-Americanism, hate towards America, hate towards American allies like Israel. Standing up with terror groups, and Hamas is a terror group. I think about at a college in my district, SUNY Brockport. They invited a cop killer to speak on their campus. Why? Because he was a cop killer. That was the only reason. This person had not done nothing otherwise to, to warrant speaking to a group of college kids. But a professor at SUNY Brockport thought that he, because of his experience as a cop killer and going to jail, that he had something to offer those students. We pay for that. SUNY Brockport is a publicly funded SUNY school. Another school in my district, a private university, decided that they didn't want cops to have their graduation ceremony, even though it had happened there for years. Why? Because a certain professor decided they were bothered by that, because they have a problem with cops, those who protect us, in some cases who go to the same school and graduate and become police officers. And so the school asked the academy here in Niagara County, the, the, the graduates, sheriffs, deputies, and uh, local law enforcement, they asked them to move. Thankfully, NCCC didn't fall into this trap and decided to invite the academy back to their campus. But I've seen this now going on for a while. And to think that we fund it in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a SUNY school or a, a private school, I know they all come to Albany and they all come and shake their tin cup to me on behalf of, of all of you. They want more taxpayer dollars. And normally you try to, you, you want to support education, higher education. I went to a local Western New York college. I was the first in my family to do so. I know how important it is from a future prosperity standpoint. But I have reached a point, and our conference has reached a point, where not one dollar should flow to any of these schools until they are willing to stand up and forcibly, publicly, and in a, in a tangible way, address what is happening on their campus as it regards anti-Semitism and anti-Americanism. I'm done. I am done. If you're a college president, if you're a college administrator, don't waste your time asking me for another dollar unless you are prepared to show me and to show our conference how you are addressing this. If you're not willing to do that, skip me. Don't waste your time seeing me in Albany. Don't waste your time seeing me here in Western New York. Because the answer is going to be no. And our conference shares that view. Lastly, uh, the housing crisis. The governor talked about housing. Last year she had a big housing plan. It, 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 it 
you know, fell like a, a lead balloon um, because she failed to get support across the state. It was coercive. It was heavy-handed. This year, uh, she again talked about uh, housing, but she tried to tie it to the out-migration issue. And I'm grateful that the governor talks about out-migration as a Western New York governor. No doubt, no doubt, out-migration is an issue. It's an issue here in Western New York. It's an issue across the state of New York. We can't deny it. We're losing people at a rapid clip. But they're not leaving simply because they can't find a home. They're leaving because the homes are too expensive. This is the issue that the governor and I think my Democratic colleagues either willfully or just don't understand. The reason we can't build more housing is because to build more housing is very expensive. We've made it really expensive with our energy policies, with these climate policies, with tax policy, with red tape. To build a new apartment complex in New York City is probably the most expensive place to build in the world. Home builders love nothing more than to build homes because that's how they make money. If they're not building homes, it's because they don't think they can make the money. It's because they don't think they can sell those homes because they're too expensive and they have to charge consumers, obviously, what they have to charge based on what it costs them to build homes. This is really easy. I'm not an economics. I don't have a PhD in economics. This is very simple. And yet my colleagues either seem to fail to grasp this or are willfully ignorant. Um, because they can't simply say we have to make the construction of new homes and the cost of new homes cheaper. That is what we mean when we talk about affordability. Homeownership is the cornerstone of the American dream. Here in New York, we are absolutely at risk of losing the American dream. The American dream simply really will be a dream. Because homeownership, ownership, not renting an apartment at $4,000 a month, not renting, you know, a, 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 a condominium or renting a house or living with your parents till you're 30. Owning a home. That's the start of your adult life. That's the start of the American dream. That's why people flee, uh, flock here from all over the world. And we, we are undermining that here in New York State. And we are at risk of letting that slip away. And our conference obviously wants to see incentives for home builders. We want to see the brakes hit on some of these energy policies, which are driving up home costs. We want to see more programs dr driven, focused on first-time homeownership, on making the construction of, of new homes more affordable. Incentivize that. Incentivize builders. Yes, they're going to make money. But you know what else is going to happen? Someone's going to be in a new home. A, fir a young family is going to be able to buy their new home, their first home. Maybe a first-generation American will be able to buy their first home. And then they understand what it is to live the American dream. That's why people are angry. That's why people are fleeing. Because it's just simply too expensive to continue to live in New York. And unfortunately, the policies we've seen over the last several years are not addressing that. They're making it worse. Our conference... Uh, has a different view. We offer an alternative vision, and that's why we say it's, it, it's, a, it's a new hope for New Yorkers. It puts New Yorkers first. And that's what we need out of anybody running for office or in office, and that's what our conference stands ready to do. So uh, with that, there's a number of other issues. We didn't touch on prison closures, uh, which I know has a, could have a very real impact here in western New York and in upstate New York. Uh, we didn't touch on 
every item that the governor talked about in her budget address, but I'm happy to address those or answer any questions about our agenda or about the state of the state or the budget uh, from our members of the media. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.